We are back, continuing our tribute to the late, great Nelson Mandela. The story of how Nelson Mandela and F.W. de Klerk transformed South Africa is one that, uh, well, we can't do it justice in one show. I refer you, by the way, to an excellent multi-part series I saw on the Africa channel about some of these chapters in the life of Nelson Mandela. Unfortunately, I can't uh, remember the name of it. We'll have to go look that up and uh, bring it to you on next week's program. But it's all good and well that by July of 1991, at the ANC's national conference, Nelson Mandela would admit that the party had faults and announced that he, his aim was to build a strong and well-oiled task force for securing majority rule. At that conference, he was elected president of the ANC, replacing uh, Oliver Tambo, who had been um, in exile, serving as the head of the African National Congress. Uh, he did admit when Mandela came back that he'd been basically keeping the seat warm for him. But in late 1991, the Convention for a Democratic South Africa, CODESA, is what it was called, uh, began negotiations on how the government might change. In the first set of talks, not a lot got done. CODESA II, second part of the talks, began in May of 1992. Unfortunately, those negotiations broke down as well, as Mandela was blaming de Klerk and the government for certain, um, certain reactionary forces aligning themselves with Inkatha to attack the ANC. And it's true. Some of the Afrikaner uh, resistance people were seeing black-on-black violence as a way of postponing the inevitable. And I think if Mandela had not been on the scene, they might have succeeded. But Mandela, for his part, realized that he had to compromise and had to play off the different sides. He went to Natal province, the Zula homeland, and called for them to lay down their arms. But when ANC supporters were uh, basically shot dead by members of the Siske Defense Force, uh, Mandela realized he had to go back and work harder to make this thing happen. Siske was one of four different homelands that the uh, apartheid government had envisioned as becoming sort of states within a state. They would pretend that uh, the black population in these tribal homelands were independent nations, and therefore life could go on in the rest of South Africa as before. None of the nations of the world recognized any of these states, so-called states, Venda, Transkei, Siskei, Bopututswana. They were called as, as independent nations. But unfortunately, the leadership in, in these homelands were another force to be reckoned with. It was Mandela's job to try and bridge the gaps between all of these factions. When forces who did not want to see change in the government uh, appeared to have been uh, behind the murder of another ANC leader, Chris Hani, Mandela made a publicized speech to calm the rioting. And plans went ahead to hold a multiracial general election that would result in a five-year coalition government of national unity. This would indeed go forward, but not before 1993. Both Mandela and de Klerk would visit the U.S. independently, meet President Bill Clinton, and each receive a Liberty Medal. Soon after, they were jointly awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. When the general election was held in April of 1994, Nelson Mandela was elected the president of South Africa. There were incidents of violence among the Afrikaner uh, uh, right-wing groups, as well as in Katha. Um, Mandela met with all factions, including Afrikaner politicians and generals, and brought them into a coalition government to work out the future of the nation. 
The ANC got 62% of the national vote, which was just short of the majority of two-thirds needed to unilaterally change the South African Constitution. In his five-year term as president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela reached out to the businessmen who were so important to the country, which naturally resulted in strong criticism from his ANC anti-capitalist allies. Nelson Mandela saw national reconciliation as the primary task of his presidency, and indeed, he would preside over the transition from apartheid minority rule to a true multicultural democracy. He encouraged black South Africans to get behind their previously hated national rugby team, the Springboks. South Africa hosted the 1995 Rugby World Cup, and after the Springboks won, Mandela presented the trophy to their Afrikaner captain. And while his efforts at reconciliation assuaged the fears of whites, more militant blacks, including his estranged wife, Winnie, accused the ANC of being more interested in appeasing whites than helping blacks. During his term as president, tranquility was maintained in the country. And he set an example for the rest of Africa by stepping down after his only term as president, at which point his aide, who was basically the de facto president by the end of his term, Thabo Mbeki, succeeded him. For the last 14 years of his life, Mandela reveled in the role of elder statesman. He's considered the father of the modern nation of South Africa, and he is indeed that. Is all well in South Africa in the wake of Nelson Mandela? Well, no, it certainly isn't. Under the leadership of the African National Congress, the organization which Mandela loved so much, uh, uh, the government can often be seen to be shoddy, corrupt, and incompetent. On occasion, rather depressingly like other African governments. Racial tensions persist in the country. There are levels of extreme violence and crime. And the plague of police brutality has not been eliminated, in spite of the fact that uh, the police forces are now largely black. South Africa, like all countries, has its problems. But if you go back and look at the perspective of what the future looked like in the late 70s and the 1980s, the transition that South Africa made away from its apartheid government to a functioning democracy is, well, it's, I think it's just near miraculous. For my part, I just wish that the other nation that came into being in 1948, which instituted a policy of apartheid, that of Israel, had within their midst an opposition political leader who could produce a similar transformation away from apartheid. Unfortunately, the Palestinian people do not appear to have a Nelson Mandela of their own. And thus the apartheid that exists in the Middle East continues. Mandela's official biographer, Anthony Sampson, commented that Mandela was, was a master of imagery and performance, excelling at presenting himself well in press photographs and producing sound bites. Well, and I guess that's part of the game. In describing his own life, Mandela said, I was not a messiah, but an ordinary man who'd become a leader because of extraordinary circumstances. And maybe one final quote from Mandela kind of explains his success. He once said, I like friends who have independent minds because they tend to make you see problems from all angles. I think that probably was the key to his success, and it's a lesson for all of us. Long live the good work of Nelson Mandela. And I would note, sadly, that's all the time we have to devote to Nelson Mandela or, or anything else today, because we are, we are out of it. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett.
I just wish I could turn the clock back to 1990 and get leaked information that Mandela was about to get out. I would have extended my stay in South Africa another week, and I would have a different story to tell today. But alas, it was not to be. At any rate, we'll see you next week at the same time.